Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, hi, it's Monday. A new start, a new chance to begin again, or something like that. How you doing? I'm in no better a mood than I was last time you saw me. I think I spent most of Saturday face down in bed. That is after I was um, appeared at a uh, event sponsored by the Society uh, of Professional Journalists at Duquesne University, um, in which uh, I and Sally Wigan and uh, God, I hate Mondays when I can't think. Andy Gasmeyer, who uh, hasn't been on TV in 10 years, but was a reporter for uh, WPXI uh, for years. And why am I, bl Harold, um, Harold uh, Hayes, also a reporter. And w we were just talking, uh, supposedly we were reminiscing about the way things used to be. Um, but uh, I was moderating it as well as being part of the panel. And, and uh, we took a dark turn when I suggested that we, you know, look at where we are now in terms of media, in terms of especially television uh, journalism. And, oh, my God, it was uh, uniformly uh, very depressing, <laughs> so depressing <laughs> that at one point... I literally forgot I was supposed to be moderating. I found myself with my head down. <laughs> my head down. I was like picking at my fingers. I was like, I, and I totally zoned out. I couldn't even, I mean, there's an audience there, and I'm sitting, I'm practically picking my nose. I don't know. I was just, and I saw Bob Mayo, who put it together, you know, looking at me beseechingly, and I said, I just, I'm going to go, I, I feel like I, I have so, this is so depressed me, I can't even function. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, w I, I really, guys. Okay, so, you know, I, I, I ping pong between depression and, and rage. And those are, you know, neither place do you want to be. By the way, is the reason that everything seems like a ghost town today because it's Columbus Day? Really? You mean we still celebrate Columbus Day? There's not a parade or anything, is there? Is there? No. There was like no traffic. Everything seems very empty. So Columbus Day. you got to be kidding me. Even Columbus, Ohio, got rid of their Columbus Day Parade. It's only Italian-Americans who are, who are actually, at, it, it is a federal holiday, which is a joke and needs to be changed. So that's it. There's that many federal workers. Do state workers get this day off, too? God, Columbus Day. Yeah, let's Indigenous People Genocide Day. That's what it is. Yeah, let's celebrate that. So, uh, no, I can't read it. No parade. That's good. I think maybe in Bloomfield they do something sometime, um, which perfectly understandable. That whiteboard is not white anymore, Amy. That whiteboard is seriously green. So, guys, I'm sorry. I, I am in as Monday a mood as a person can be. Uh, Judge Kavanaugh is now Justice Kavanaugh. <sighs> it's a done deal. And everywhere I cast my eyes... I see something else that is wrong, <laughs> frightening. And I, why do we even want to, I, I mean, I don't know. You know, we don't want to turn our back and uh, 
But it's so hard. I don't make a very good soldier. I lose my my get up and go. It got up and went. Yeah. I'm looking at a, a quote from the loathsome uh, Senator Susan Collins who I can't even believe she said this. I, I don't watch those morning uh, Sunday morning shows. Like meet the press, face the nation. <coughs> God, I don't have a stomach for it. But so she, I guess, was all over them. And uh, here is a quote. She actually said this with a straight face. And I mean, I have to say that I am so bewildered that she could utter <laughs> this. Okay, I'll tell you what it is. With us, Here's Susan Collins, and I will eschew, gesundheit, I will eschew doing a bad impression of her tortured voice. She said this, the one silver lining that I hope will come from this is that more women will press charges now when they are assaulted. How in the name of God could she arrive at that silver lining? She thinks that after seeing what happened to Mary Blasey Ford, that that is going to have the effect of more women willing to come forward, spill their guts, and be disregarded, disbelieved. This same loathsome Senator Collins is the one who said, again with a straight face, I do believe that she was assaulted that tragic, in that tragic day, but not by, by Brett Kavanaugh. So, here is Susan Collins saying that this intelligent woman Christine Blasey Ford, was mistaken about the central traumatic event in her life, but somehow Susan Collins knows that. Oh, yes, I believe her. She was assaulted. But, you know, she's just a hysterical woman, unreliable source, you know... They get freaked out, and they can't remember things quite clearly. She somehow has mistakenly believed that this was Brett Kavanaugh, even though she said she was 100% certain. And Susan Collins, if anybody calls her a moderate, and they're within range of my fist, you, you better prepare. This woman, Susan Collins, purports to be a feminist, purports to be pro-choice, and she just put on the court a guy who would probably happily pass out coat hangers to pregnant women wanting to terminate an unwanted pregnancy. The one silver lining that I hope will come from this is that more women will press charges now. How could this woman say that when she herself didn't believe? Christine Ford. I, 
I'm sorry. I'm good. <laughs> Barbara says, KDKA reported this morning that there's no parade today due to the death of a parade organizer. Excuse me? You mean like the parade in Bloomfield? There was like one person who did that, and that person is dead, and nobody picked it up and was able to do it. And they're saying maybe someone will get it together for next year. Why don't they just forget about it, huh? There will be no I am sorry. There will be no parade today due to the one person, apparently, who uh, put the damn thing together. God almighty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little Tony says, yeah, you know, there is. There's this crowdfunding site that is collecting money for whoever runs against Susan Collins in 2020. Who cares? She, I think she'd be toast anyway. Um, it already has $3.5 million. <laughs> oh, we're doomed. We're done. Put a fork in it. Caller, go ahead. Hi, Lynn. Hey. Hey, um, one thing about this is let the Republicans celebrate and enjoy themselves here for a short term. Because people, they don't vote to reward you for what you did when you were in there. They vote over anger. And the, the Democrats are already pissed. So this just is going to bring the anger out and the voting out, I think. But I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, but, you could. Uh, Prepare yourself, because uh, it's gonna something's gonna come. You know, there's gonna be a what do you call it, reckoning or whatever. Okay. Where well, I hate to tell it. Take steps. Okay. It take steps, but it's gonna happen. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know. There was some. Yeah, and one other thing. Okay. Since this TV's been so terrible, I've been watching this. I'm not saying believe in this shit or not believe. <laughs> I've been watching this paranormal shows. Oh no! Don't. Now, wait a minute. I'm not going to get into nothing like that. But you know what most of the haunted places and most of the things that why these places have spirits is it goes back to lynching of black men, torturing women and children. And it's all this shit, the Civil War. It's all this bullshit that has gone on through history. So even in the spirit world, it's all fucked up. <laughs> See you later. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right. I know it's Monday, but that was my favorite call this week. <laughs> uh, Chris writes, the only reason there isn't a parade in Bloomfield today for Columbus Day is because the parade organizer died. Yeah, this year sometime. Susan Collins, what a freaking joke. Thank you for not imitating her nails on a chalkboard. Okay, I won't. Okay, letter to the editor in today's New York Times. I think got it sort of right as opposed to Senator Collins. This comes from a guy in Palo Alto. He says, The Senate's message to girls is clear. No matter what happens to you, no matter who does it to you, keep quiet. No one will believe you. The President of the United States will mock you. You will receive death threats and be forced out of your home. The FBI will not even talk to you. And if your only witness is the other guy who held you down, good luck. You are the one who will be punished, not the perpetrator. We'll even give him a seat on the Supreme Court. So sit down and shut up while we make America great again. Did you see the contagion Trump has unleashed? Uh, Brazil had a presidential election yesterday. There were, I think, four candidates. The one who far, far, uh, exceeded all the others, but didn't quite get over 50% of the vote, so we'll have to do a runoff with the second-place finisher, uh, is a, a Trump clone. And he actually 
says, make Brazil great again. This is happening all over the place. This is a guy, you might have sort of seen an article about he was campaigning maybe about a month and a half ago, and someone tried to kill him, stabbed him. So he spent, uh, that probably got him more votes. He survived. He uh, is absolutely uh, Trump. A total lunatic provocateur who had always been on the fringes. Nobody take had taken him seriously, although he had been uh, in their uh, legislative body. He had been there for for years. But now running for president and taking a page, absolute copy absolutely copied the playbook, Donald Trump, and look at it worked in Brazil. And in all likelihood with the runoff election, this jerk Bolsonaro will be the Brazilian president. He uh, has called, he was elected calling for a military dictatorship. He was elected, uh, not elected, he was far outpaced any other candidate. Uh, verbally attacks women all the time. That's when he's not uh, being homophobic and racist. And this is in Brazil where I think most people in Brazil are not white. And they still, what is, if people of color don't start taking this shit serious, well, they do, not in Brazil. They are a majority in Brazil, not white. And this guy cleaned up. He couldn't even find a running mate until August because nobody wanted to partner with him. This is before they knew he was going to take off. But people are saying, see, the Brazilians are have all this anger about political corruption and things not getting better, and so they turn to clowns. What is with people? They fall for bombast and hate. I'm going to say it again. We're the most loathsome of God's creation. Speaking of that, you'll see I've returned to Diet Coke, which I guess is probably going to be a carcinogen, because I found out that my La Croix has cockroach poison in it. Okay, I'm going to drink this or that. It doesn't matter. It's all adulterated crap. I just have to go to water. Just plain old ordinary water. But I needed something. This is all I could find. I, somebody is suing LaCroix and saying that there are the same chemical used to kill cockroaches. It was in USA Today. I didn't make it up. Yeah, so this idiot in Brazil has called women idiots. He has told a female lawmaker she was too ugly to rape. And uh, he says, why the hell should women earn the same salary as men? Eh? Explain that to me. What? He has promised to make uh, guns easier to obtain and he promises to give the police more authority to kill. And the Brazilians, by 48-some percent, with four people running, said, we want you. We haven't been paying much attention to what's going on all over the world, so let me give a little uh, stuff. I, I just want to say, in the power game, we've uh, we liberal liberal types are notorious for not playing 
the game in a bare-knuckled manner. We have just been schooled in total bare-knuckle power politics by Mitch McConnell and the Republicans, and they win. And then they turn around and tell us that we're a mob. <laughs> well, the, the president tweeted something about the entire Democratic Party is like a mob. Yeah, and not fit for, uh, he's totally, he's in, I'm starting to think that the Republicans are almost inciting uh, violence against, uh, I'm starting to think. They're flat out inside, Trump did as a candidate. Violence against media, that's what I wanted to talk about. This uh, Saudi journalist who dared to write critical stories about the Saudi regime, which supposedly, you know, our credulous media have told us is is um, is headed now by this forward-thinking guy who, you know, lets women drive cars. He also sends hit squads of 15 men to the consulate in Istanbul, Turkey, because he knows this journalist is showing up there for an appointment. And the guy walked in front door of the Saudi consulate in Istanbul and never came back out. The Turkish government is now saying that the squad of 15 hitmen was flown in on separate planes with diplomatic passports that day. Why would it take 15 men to kill this one unarmed guy? According to the Turkish government, which is not exactly another government you believe um he was killed in the consulate and dismembered so that no body will ever be found those are our friends the saudis who we're giving lethal weapons to so they can kill yemeni children and old people. Our government has said not one thing about this. I saw a great quote from someone, some woman living someplace else, not in this country, who said, I think maybe America exported so much democracy all over the world that they don't have any left at home. Well, I don't see much all around the world either. Then there's the disappearance of the head of Interpol. Did you hear about that? Interpol, the national policing, um, I don't know what you call it, uh, organization. Interpol was headed for the first time by a Chinese guy. Different countries take turns running Interpol, international police. He disappeared. He told his wife, bye, honey, I'm going back to China to take care of some business. And he now, um, according to the Chinese government, has been detained. And he has resigned his position as the head of it. People just disappear. Then there was the guy who was a friend of Putin, supposedly, who was in a helicopter crash the other day, and uh, I saw one British publication saying that they found that the uh, helicopter pilot had two bullet holes in his head. This was the guy who was the mentor to the woman who showed up at the Trump Tower meeting with the Russians, the Russian woman. So it's conceivable, this guy was a top prosecutor, supposedly friends, but maybe he had to be done in as well. People are literally disappearing, getting killed, and this is how governments now operate. 
And I have to tell you, I also saw a T-shirt that was worn by one of these uh, uh, right-wing jerks who show up at, uh, you know, various times in public displays. He was wearing a T-shirt that say said P Pinochet did nothing wrong. Pinochet, of course, was notorious for assassinating and disappearing liberals and progressives. But the Democratic Party is a mob. Mm. I also heard, and I'm sorry I can't remember the country, but some young woman journalist who was looking into some kind of corruption in the EU, and she came from like an Eastern European country, she was murdered this weekend. So I'm thinking I'm sitting there with like a uh, broadcast journalist from here at Duquesne Saturday, and we're decrying our lot and what's happened to media here and television media in particular. But so far, I don't think we're getting killed. So far. But journalists all over the rest of the world are regularly killed. And I think things are going to get worse. So, I mean... When the Republicans play these kinds of power politics unabashedly, I am starting to think, are they beyond murder? Well, I don't think they're beyond anything. Something becomes troublesome, threatens to take somebody down or the whole... Although, here's the other thing. They jumped on the Trump train when they saw they had no choice because he was going to win. And they thought, well, we can get a big tax cut for the rich and we can pack the federal judiciary. So we'll tolerate them. We can, we can do this because we're going to get such a payback. And they have. He's already done for them what they wanted him to do. And he'll continue to do it for the next two years. In that regard, the Trump presidency could well go down uh, politically as one of the more successful, <laughs> I think, Republican presidencies. He's getting a lot done. He is dismantling everything that was done in the prior eight years of a progressive nature. And the Supreme Court will now uh, get rid of anything that's been done progressively for the last uh, probably uh, half a century. They've started already, scuttling the Voting Rights Act, right? Right? Dear God in heaven. So I asked the everyone in the room on at Duquesne on Saturday, does anyone here feel hopeful? A and there were some hands that went up, but the person who spoke was this 20-year-old journalism student. And he was so full of hope that somehow his generation and, and this country was still up for the challenge. And and I thought, wow, he hasn't lost his innocence yet. I'm still losing mine. I mean, I think I have none left. And then something else happens, and i it's like a another sucker punch to the gut, right? Uh, <coughs> Bree writes, Saudi Arabia may have taken the idea that the media is the enemy to heart. Oh, well, like, Vladimir Putin does, and a lot of other, yeah, they do. They kill. They kill these reporters. There was a reporter wearing a MAGA hat, Make, American, Make America Great Again hat, that was covering Trump, 
uh, he was fired. He'll probably end up, yeah, working in White House press relations. Boy, oh boy. So, I mean, if you read the paper, it's unsettling what's going on. And, and um, I blah, 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 blah. I, here is the most unsettling thing I, I, I read over the weekend. I think this is Saturday. <coughs> it's written by Michael Tomaski. And he's got some numbers here that are mind-boggling. I have been saying that our democracy is broken. And you can just see that by the fact that the Republican Senate majority, in fact, those senators represent, given their states, 18% of America's population. And yet they have the power to pack the federal judiciary. 18%. So the people's voice, the people's desires, they carry about as much weight as Christine Blasey Ford's uh, obviously hallucinatory story. So this, I want to give you some, I know numbers are hard when you can't see them. I'm going to go slow, but take this in. In the entire history of the Supreme Court, only one justice has been nominated by a president who did not win the popular vote and confirmed by a majority of senators who, now get this, here's another way of looking at it, who collectively won fewer votes in their last elections than did the senators who voted against that justice's confirmation. We're not represented. Now, by the way, who, who you think you know who that justice is? It wasn't Kavanaugh. It was Neil Gorsuch. With Kavanaugh, it is even worse. Donald Trump did not win, uh, he actually got about the same amount, percentage of votes as this Brazilian clone of his. 46% of the popular vote is what Trump got. Almost 3 million voter uh, votes fewer than Hillary Clinton. Fewer, not less. <coughs> The 54 senators who voted to give Neil Gorsuch a seat on the court received around 54 million votes in their last elections, okay? The 45 senators who opposed him got more than 73 million votes in their last elections. That's 58% to 42%. In other words, the guys who represent the minority of people and sometimes sizable minority of Americans have all the power right now. <laughs> because of the structural problems with our Constitution. I was watching a uh, stand-up guy um, special on Netflix with my son last night. 
this guy is funny as hell, Joe Rogan. And he said, <laughs> I'll have to, I'm going to listen to it again and take notes so I can share some of this with you. But he said, he imagined, uh, you know, like, say, Thomas Jefferson coming back, being, I'm always doing that, as you know, imagining Ben Franklin coming back and, you know, saying, look, <laughs> and then watching them freak out. And he was imagining Jefferson and how Jefferson would, like, look around and say, wait a minute. You mean you guys haven't, you're still sticking with that stuff we wrote on parchment paper with a feather? With a feather. We wrote that with a feather. Almost 300 years ago. And, and now you have people on the Supreme Court who say <laughs> that they're sticking with that? even though nobody writes with feathers on parchment anymore? <clears throat> okay, well, this guy goes on and shows how all of these right-wing justices got on the court because of a minority, minority senators, senators who, yes, had the numbers, senators, to be the majority, but in fact represented such a minority of we, the people. And by the way, this only happens with Republican nominees to the court. I kid you not. This kind of strange ability to have essentially uh, a distinct minority trump a distinct majority never happens with nominees advanced by Democratic presidents. First, no Democratic president has ever taken office after losing the popular vote. No, only Republicans manage to become president when they lose the popular vote. In other words, more Americans don't want them. No, every Democrat who has ever sat in the White House has won the popular vote. And, in fact, justices nominated by Democrats have never been confirmed by such narrow margins as these political operatives in black robes that the Republicans put up. This is a legitimacy crisis for our constitutional democracy. And then I've got some other numbers. This from David Leonhardt. Trump's share of the popular vote, the 46 percent 46 percent and he's in the White House packing the court destroying everything and do you know that that is fewer votes than 16 losing candidates over the years he has had fewer votes in 2016 than Mitt Romney had, who lost, than John Kerry had, who lost, than William Jennings Bryan had, who lost. There's even a guy here I never heard of, Horatio Seymour, for God's sakes, 
had more votes for President of the United States when he ran, who knows when, Horatio F. And Seymour had a greater percentage of the popular vote. By the way, the Halloween decorations are really getting out of hand. I'm so sick of those humongous blow-up things. Um, my dog and I were walking this morning at 7 a.m., and he jumped 20 feet into the air, and I wasn't far behind him when all we turned a corner, and there was this monster with, like, green-lit eyes. It was about 10 feet tall. And I mean... And the dog was scared. Americans are idiots. I'm sorry. I'm not into us anymore. I'm just not. We're so easily made to part with our money over silly things. There's now, of course, a whole industry built around Halloween that didn't exist 30 years ago. And people part with their money and out. I mean, it's keeping up with the Joneses, right? You mean you just carved a pumpkin and put it on your doorstep? I swear, you know what I'm going to do this? I, I'm shuttering my house, turning off the lights. I have become the angry old lady. That's true. All right. <coughs> what else I got? <coughs> oh, the greatest story. This was a good story. The Banksy thing. Did you see that? Okay, so Banksy, he's a artist who supposedly nobody knows who he is. He's a graffiti artist, but he puts up these, you know, bang, he wonderful stuff that he paints in the in stealth of the night, a lot of it. He's a subversive artist. And the other day at Sotheby's, Sotheby's, I believe in London, because they are in New York, London, everything, they were doing an auction of art, and one of his paintings was up an actual painting of a little girl reaching for a heart-shaped red balloon which is out of her out of her grip someone bought this thing an un anonymous bidder on the phone bought it for 1 and a half million dollars and as soon as the gavel went down and it was announced, sold for $1.4 million. The painting started to drop inside its frame and come out the bottom of the frame shredded. It self-destructed the minute it was sold. Banksy. That is so brilliant. So now they're saying whoever bought it for $1.4 million is now sitting on probably something worth $2 million. <laughs> Such is the art world. Now it's a half shredded. There's a little bit of the girl and the balloon still in the frame. Everything else is blank and there's just Hanging. Isn't that amazing? So they can't figure any of this out. I am of the opinion that the bidder might be the artist himself. Maybe. 
and somebody had to be in the room to trigger as soon as that gavel went down someone had to push a button that activated a whatever you had to go down anyways just amazing my favorite story all weekend without a doubt Mark writes, hi, I'm here in Columbus. It's a beautiful day, and I have not seen any signs of a parade. I guess our parade guy must have died as well. <laughs> oh, God bless you guys. Grassley said there are, oh, right, oh, I heard, oh, God, don't remind me of these things. Yeah, Grassley, the original grumpy grandpa, Grassley said there are no women on the Republican side on the Judiciary Committee because, quote, they do not want to work that hard. I'm going to, I really, I feel murderous. I do. And I'm not alone. Hopefully that clip will become well known in the campaign ad. The reputation of the court was dealt a nasty blow with this fiasco. I'll tell you what that court's going to do now. It's going to lie low for this term. I bet it won't take any really, re it, it, it'll, uh, we're just going to take like little boring cases that nobody gives a damn about. I mean, a few people do, but it's not incendiary kinds of stuff. That's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to do. Stuff that maybe they can get unanimous rulings on. That's what they're going to do. They're going to sit tight for a year, at least, and then they're going to go to town. But they're going to keep their heads down now. Is there any doubt that if the current Republican Party had been treated this way, they would just disregard any Supreme Court rulings they didn't like and simply say, what are you going to do about it? Well, you know, I just, Jesus Christ. Yeah, Barbara sent me this story. It was too depressing for me to even, um, believe it or not, the story, the things I've already talked about are upbeat compared <laughs> to this, Barbara. I saw it. I don't want to deal with it. Okay, I'll do the headline. We have 12 years to limit climate change catastrophe, according to the world's leading climate scientists. But <coughs> don't worry about it. The world's leading climate scientists have warned there's only a dozen years for global warming to be kept to kept from. Anyway, there's no way. There's no way that according to this report that we, the world will do what it says we have to do. So it could well, you know, you think we got turmoil now? Droughts are going to send more human refugees, desperate people running from their countries Walls will go up. Uh, things are going to get so ugly. Cities will be destroyed by encroaching water, flooding. I mean, I and of course, I mean, the social turmoil, political turmoil that comes with this is just astonishing. We won't even understand what's happening as it's happening, but it's going to happen. So speaking of all of that, Nah, I'm not going there yet. Yeah. I've been carrying this around for a while. You know how totally freaked I am by artificial intelligence, and I have absolutely no doubt that we will uh, eventually cyborg guys ourselves. Hum human beings are no match for robots in so many ways that we'll just sort of like join them. And it's going to happen quickly, quicker than you think.
That's what I say. I don't even know who wrote this. Who wrote this? It was a big, big article in the Wall Street Journal at one time, but it's a guy talking about all the fears about artificial intelligence and what the end game's going to be. And he's got, <coughs> I, I just, he says, really, there's only three things, inventions, that have totally changed everything. Now, I would think the printing press was in there somewhere, but he doesn't have it. He says the steam engine, electrification, and information technology and, and artificial intelligence. He said the steam engine and electricity upended everything, but they created more jobs than they destroyed. So even though there was this huge social impact of those inventions, changing structures, how things are done, how people worked, how blah, 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 more jobs were created because essentially they helped break down the work of one craftsman into a whole bunch of simpler tasks done by dozens of factory workers. But information technology, IT, <coughs> uh -uh. that ain't going to make up anywhere near the jobs it destroys. And it's going to dis continue to destroy jobs. And the jobs being destroyed will continue to create widening income inequality, which of course, if global warming's not causing enough destabilization, this artificial intelligence revolution will. It will be of a magnitude, certainly, of the industrial revolution, but probably larger, he says. I, these are his words, because I think it'll definitely be larger and definitely faster. That's the thing about it. It's going to happen so fast that, again, the destabilization of everything is a given. The steam engine only took over physical labor. Artificial intelligence can perform physical labor, and it can perform intellectual labor. And <coughs> where the Industrial Revolution took centuries to spread around the globe, artificial intelligence is being adopted simultaneously all over the globe. And so, all over the globe, it will exacerbate inequality. Because, as this guy puts it, artificial intelligence is inherently monopolistic. A company with more data and better algorithms will gain ever more users and more data. And this self-reinforcing cycle will lead to winner-take-all markets. We're already seeing that. With one company making massive profits while most others go down or languish. The jobs that will remain relatively safe fall on opposite ends of the uh, income spectrum. CEOs, home care nurses, attorneys, hairstylists, those are all probably pretty safe. But the people in some of those professions will be swimming in the riches of the artificial intelligence revolution. And the others, the home care workers, the hairstylists, will be competing against a vast pool of desperate fellow workers. Now, the free market is supposed to self-correct. 
right? That's how the free market works. That ain't going to work, this guy says. That all breaks down with artificial intelligence and the economy it creates. So the 21st century will bring a new caste system split into the artificial intelligence elite and the powerless struggling masses. And recent history has shown just how fragile our political institutions <laughs> are, how fragile our social fabric is in the face of this kind of disruptive change. So if we allow artificial intelligence economics to run their natural course in this free-willing, free-market American economy, This guy says the geopolitical tumult of recent years will look like child's play. In the coming years, people will watch algorithms and robots easily outmaneuver them at tasks they have spent a lifetime mastering. It could well lead to a human beings feeling crushed feeling futile, obsolete, and at worst it will lead people to question their own worth and what it means to be human. And he says, that's where it's heading, and quicker than you think. So he says, what do we do? And he said, a lot of people have come up with this. I mean, because everybody knows what I've just said will happen. So what do we do? People have come up with this universal basic income where the government is going to provide a stipend to allow those of us who aren't on the winning side so that we can live. This guy says we got to do better than that. And he comes up with something that he calls the social investment stipend, which is that for people who devote their time to human kinds of work, that robots just can't do well. Like teaching, like health care, parenting, assisting the aged, uh, helping people with disabilities. He said anyone who does that kind of work should be given the kind of pay we give people now that we reward in our economic system that exists. In other words, give them really good pay. That's the only way it's going to work. The more people-oriented could opt for care work, high-tech training, blah, blah, blah. And he says this, and then I'll stop. By requiring some social contribution to receive the stipend, the universal basic income, we would foster a public philosophy far different from the individualism that we've got now. Because providing a stipend in return for participation in human community building activities carries a clear message. And that is collective effort from people across society allowed us to reach this point of economic abundance and now we must use that abundance to rec recommit ourselves to one another and to our humanity. I read this and I thought, oh, fat chance. All right, fasten your seatbelts because it's going to get bizarre. I got to run. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.